0: hey evan hey today we're going to be doing our final for now installment of this series what are we calling it? What are what's on
1: the ground research?
0: Yes, of on the ground research. And this time we went to Six Flags,
1: which has been something we've wanted to do for ages, long before we had such a good excuse.
0: Yeah, yeah, I had found like a bucket list to-do list that we'd written on a poster board when I think when I was still in college which is not like a recent, not not a super recent thing. Um,
1: So before it was a goal because it's a theme park and that's fun.
0: Yeah. You know, what I'll say about it also is that it, I won't say it's been for lack of trying. I haven't been super like aggressive about it, but I've brought this up multiple times and everybody has said to me, no, that is not something I want to do with you. And I don't think it's like they don't want to do that with me. Like <laughs> like they just like nobody has wanted to go to Six Flags. Why? I don't know. They well, for some people they're like, I don't like roller coasters. For some people, they're like, I've heard it's gotten expensive. Others are like, That just that doesn't sound like my idea of fun. I don't like heat. I don't like sticky spills on the ground with Okay. Bees I guess in these them. are
1: actually pretty valid reasons. Yeah,
0: right. Yeah. <laughs> So there's – yeah, there's good reasons, but also there's been like this – like sometimes there's kind of this sense of – um I, it's the same thing of like when I tell people that – when people are like, what's your top listened to artist on Spotify of the year? And I'm like Miley Cyrus for like the sixth year in a row. And they're like, haha, that's a joke. And I'm like, why would that be a joke? Yeah. And I feel like that's the same attitude I've had towards going to Six Flags is mm-hmm. I'm like, why would it be a joke? Uh, but anyway – we have gone, and we went with a goal.
1: Because the book we're writing features a, an amusement park, a theme park, a old and failing theme park at that, we felt like going to Six Flags at this point had the potential to be great research.
0: Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think before we went, I didn't have a sense of how f- failing Six Flags would feel. And we're, I mean, we'll obviously get into that.
1: I mean, and so here I want to just, to be fair, because of our interest in what we want to make, we were definitely going to Six Flags with an interest in its failures and oddities and weirdness. So that's naturally what we gravitated toward. That's where most of our notes were taken. So... I don't know that Six Flags needs any defending exactly, but I do want to just say this isn't like a review of Six Flags. This is just what stood out to us in that context. Uh, Overall, we had a fantastic time. A lot of fun.
0: Yeah, yeah. This is part of this thread that we're following of doing on the ground research to try to sometimes even maybe force relevance into the subject matter that we're pursuing uh-huh. Which with Six Flags it wasn't that hard, no. but <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I think that's a that's a fair caveat. But I don't know. I mean, I don't think. I guess people will let us know how it comes off. I don't feel like the things that we are folk we're going to be focusing on are negative. I do feel like they're weird. Like, yeah, and I I'm curious if you could go to Six Flags and just without seeking that out have a non weird experience. Maybe.
1: I have a quote stuck in my head. Yeah. It's a Tolstoy quote. (laughs) (laughs) Weighing in on six flags. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He wrote, and this is the opening to Anna Karenina, happy families are all alike. Each unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. And I think that's that's why, like, when I think about researching for our amusement park, I don't feel like there's too much work needed to imagine a nice place, Mm. a successful good place. But if I just relied on my imagination for imagining the ways that it's broken or wrong or weird, I would not have come up with all the things we saw in that park. It was was weird in its own unique ways.
0: (laughs) That's a great point. Yeah. And I mean, I think that, okay, this is not to like diminish the efforts and creative brains of dystopian YA authors of the (laughs) like, you know, (laughs) 2010s or something. But like, you can be like, all right, I'm imagining Disneyland. But now let me imagine terrible Disneyland. Mickey is an indentured servant in the i don't
1: know <laughs> mickey in the coal mines
0: like, like i don't like i a lot of sort of like dystopian visions of a way a place can be they're kind of like they're kind of blunt they're like blunt edged hammers, you know? Uh-huh. They're like, things are terrible. The corporations enslave people, and they make them do a maze to find <laughs> the strongest boy. America is separated into districts, and the children fight. Uh, but there's like a really big gradient of what sort of surreal, d- like vaguely dystopian experiences can look like. And I think we found a lot of that gradient in Six Flags.
1: The subtleties of dystopias.
0: Anyway, I, I think I'm jettisoning, I'm jettisoning, jettisoning us in a in a wrong direction here, because like we're not talking about dystopias. What we found at Six Flags were a lot of like kind of surreal liminal spaces, and that is a lot of what we're going to be talking about today.
1: So let's let's start at the beginning. When I think about the very first things that happened, I think about the car ride over, because we recorded a number of things there.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I'll see if there's anything that I can, like, cut in. So I, I leave
1: this space intentionally blank.
0: <laughs> I know I don't remember what we recorded, so let's, um, here, here, we'll, I will re-listen. If there's anything relevant or interesting, I'll, uh, cut it in here. Yeah. <laughs> it's not because I don't like spending concentrated amounts of time with you, but the... I think probably the last time that I went to Six Flags and the only times I've ever gone to Six Flags were, like, on a bus for a public school field trip with, like, 40 children. Like, you are <laughs> not 40 children.
1: <laughs> I admit this.
0: And I don't know why I feel like, like, I don't know. I feel like I'm showing up for, like, a... a a job like the first day of a job where i don't know what the culture is because i don't know how to go to six flags as an adult just with you another adult (laughs) does that make sense at all we got there pretty early right
1: and we we pulled into the mostly empty parking lot because we were there before opening
0: yeah but like not that i mean you know we were there within the first like it was like gonna open yeah it was like
1: 10 minutes or something it was very right at opening
0: yeah and i had that nervousness as we were driving i was like is it gonna be like a totally full parking lot because how can you know i mean if you go to disneyland like you line up early i think
1: i imagine that there's a huge crowd at the opening uh yeah Um, but six flags new england not so much
0: i didn't have a, a deep sense of people breaking down the doors
1: so you drive past the park down a sort of winding road until you reach the expansive parking lot
0: you know what i really liked when we got out of the car what well for it was like the first thing there the people who were getting ready it was like a lot of families yeah this is the first thing i observed that we were sort of the only like people who were not with children who were also not just children, part of a school group right. <laughs> and and across the parking lot for the you know people that were starting to roll in, everybody had opened up their car doors and you could just hear the sounds across the park, this vast parking lot of um of aerosol sunscreen. And I really, yeah. it was just, like, a lot of, like, people just hitting themselves with their, like, tsss,
1: the The sunscreening. Which
0: I love that sound. And that, I don't know, there was something about. I remember
1: there was also a family that was wearing coordinated clothing, like, yes. right across from us. Yeah. So they could, like, identify each other.
0: Yeah. And when we actually got into the park, I had had it because I was like, Evan, what do you think their little coordinated custom-made shirts say? And we couldn't tell. But when we got in, they had, like, a little, like game controller on it, like an Xbox controller, and it all said like brother of the birthday boy. Oh Mom right. Mom of the birthday boy. Dad of the birthday with those so little cute. Yeah, it was so cute.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we we were not in the VIP parking lot, which is much closer to the park. We were in the ordinary citizen. Oh non premiumized
0: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I didn't want to, like, jump into talking about money immediately, but I think maybe we kind of have to because there were days of prep before the trip to try to untangle their um, very intentionally opaque pricing structure.
1: This is game design. So, yeah, I think. Absolutely. I think
0: we should talk about it right now. It's like session
1: (laughs) zero. It's like building your character out because (laughs) there are so many customizable options added on top of a number of levels, added on top of a number of time spans that are covered. So you actually are navigating a very complicated set of options. And every option is both trying to sell itself, but also trying to look bad enough that it will sell you on the next thing up so you're getting mixed messages from every single thing where it's like this is an incredible value you're getting an unbelievable amount for this also, but also this
0: is dog shit this is
1: dog <laughs> you are going to be so unhappy and deprived if you don't get this next level
0: it was weird and i i would say it felt nasty enough that it didn't change my desire to go but it it would have changed my desire to go if i was trying to plan this trip like i've been for years with friends like i think i would have felt yeah. embarrassed right. to like ask people that i care about to to like buy into these absolutely bo- just like bonkers pricing structures i mean
1: it's such a elaborate setup that it's like there's no way i would have a group and then sit everybody down and be like okay we're going to be here for 90 minutes like this is going to be a chat. <laughs> yeah, which you know, we did. I, I would have to make the call for them for it to be socially reasonable. Yeah,
0: you'd be the dad.
1: I'd. It needs a dad.
0: Yeah. And you were the dad.
1: I was the dad.
0: Because I was like, Evan, I don't understand. Does it include the cabana? Is the water park part of it? What is parking actually $50 for the day? So we ended up getting two different levels of passes. I feel like this is all relevant because it is just ends up being such a symbol as the day goes on about like the experience that six Flags is ringing, just ringing out of you. Um, let's,
1: let's talk about the CEO quote,
0: yeah, I good. think it's
1: good to have in mind as we walk through this park together, yeah. so, so six
0: Flags you, relatively new CEO past yeah few like twenty
1: one something like that. okay. Not year, 20, 2021 is what
0: 21, 21-year-old hey, CEO, yeah, little baby. He might
1: be 21.
0: He kind of
1: sounds like it. Um, <laughs> so in a meeting with investors, he expressed, to paraphrase, but not, not too much of a paraphrase, he expressed that currently the audience of Six Flags, the attendants, were a Walmart or Kmart audience. And they wanted more of a target crowd, and this is part of a endeavor that he has talked about multiple times, which is the premiumization of the park.
0: I just want to real quick because i I don't have a sense of like, I don't actually have a sense of the internationality of some of these places. Like, is does Target is Target everywhere, or is Target like a so? Just should we just contextualize really quickly? Like, this is like a very classist remark. Yes. Uh, like, Walmart, Kmart, he is saying that there's like a type of clientele that just wants sort of like the cheap, like a cheap experience. But Target isn't like a fancy department store. It's no. just like it's what you can get at Walmart and Kmart, just like with the aisles cleaned with a robot vacuum.
1: Yeah. Like, it it cares about its presentation more. It cares about the, like, experience of walking through it feeling kind of at least vaguely comfortable and luxurious, which Walmart, for me, it, it's more embraces the idea that, like, you're here to get stuff cheap, and this is cheap, and we're getting a lot of it because it's cheap. It's like, it's just, it owns the fact that it is being the cheapest option. Yeah. He specifically, the CEO was talking about discounted ticket prices and saying, like, we don't want to offer these discounts anymore. We want to offer upgrades, not discounts. The discounts are turning this into a, as he put it, a daycare for teenagers.
0: Yeah. And this was in a recorded call. With uh, investors. With investors. Yeah.
1: Since incorporating these changes, there has been a drop in attendance in Six Flags parks. The CEO says, well, this is all according to plan because we're just trimming out the undesirable crowd. But the people who are coming in are going to spend more on average, which I don't know if that's bared out. So we have entered during the premiumization phase of Six Flags. And the parking lot was, I don't know if it was like this before, but it was a an aspect of that. We were not on the premium lot. So we encountered our first liminal space which was the long sidewalk <laughs> along the road that led from the parking lot to the park
0: oh yeah it was on... a pretty hot day and it was like a decent walk just to get to the park along this like winding sidewalk
1: and it's like not a nice sidewalk it was it was narrow it had a chain link fence on the other side that looked out over some kind of scraggly looking Wooded Woods, areas, you
0: know, where people are throwing their trash and stuff.
1: So that's the, I mean, it's, it is like definition of liminal.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I, that was probably like the first, first impression, too.
1: Yep. After this walk in the sun, we arrived at the actually designed entrance and first impression of this park, which I found delightful. It was like a beautiful staircase. <laughs>
0: a beautiful staircase with like a a like forty foot long m and m s ad lots of advertising everywhere oh yes. and, and yeah and I think that'll come up again, but lots of ad- advertising generally for candy just just an observation
1: another thing very present was America,
0: yeah, oh my god, <laughs>
1: there's just a row of flags that were just huge flagpoles and Seems like, you know, that's the opportunity to do the like outside of the UN building, like a multinational <laughs> kind of, but it's just all American flags. Oh,
0: that's such a good point, right? At Disneyland, you would get like the flags from every country. Yeah, Six flags is, is like America, fuck you, America America. America.
1: America. Yeah. Red, white, and blue are the colors that are used all over the park, all sorts of decorations. Stars and stripes are everywhere. Uh I think that's fascinating.
0: It is fascinating. The embrace of
1: nationalism.
0: Wait, can I also just say, like, you know, our first impression, good. We were like, oh, it's joyful. They're playing music. It was like a, a, you know, 10-year-old Taylor Swift song that's probably been recently, (laughs) like, you know, available to license. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Can I just say the, like, the first thing that we saw when we actually stepped through the gates? Oh, yeah. So the first thing that we saw, and we can post a, is there a place where we can post a picture of this, where people could see it? I don't know. Maybe I don't... we need
1: to make like a like a blog post. Yeah, or yeah.
0: All right, we'll try. We'll try to make a blog post. Uh, I know that we've posted it in the Discord. Plug for the Turtle Bun Discord. Link in <laughs> link in show notes. Um, yeah. So you can find it in the Discord. There was this, like, we walked in, and right beyond the flags was just like a giant eight foot tall inflatable dick and balls. And I'm sorry because now I'm gonna have to mark this episode explicitly. No, don't do, <laughs> don't do it. Don't do just it. Don't do it. Just pass the sensors. Nobody this is cares.
1: Family friendly dick and balls. I mean it, well, that's Six true. Flags was it. presenting did it, did it to they the world. Did. So, it so was should just we a
0: giant inflatable dick and balls. And I I was like Evan it <laughs> is, like, you know, pointed. And like like, do you see what I'm seeing? <laughs> oh,
1: that's just laughing. <laughs>
0: And we just started laughing. And I was like, why is there? And like, it was sort of like spangled, like, you know, star spangled, like in America colors. Yeah, of and course. Like, why is there a giant inflatable dick and ball? And this is why, like, you know, Disneyland, you hear a lot about them having this just like obsessive attention to sight
1: lines. The idea that when you're in different sections of the park, they are distinct from each other. You don't see elements of the other sections while you're in one. So you can immerse yourself in the theme and flavor of whatever setting you're currently enjoying.
0: Yeah. So as we rounded the the corner from the entrance, we realized it was actually like an inflatable sort of archway. Right. And the what looked like the, the balls part uh, was just kind of like the... Um, you know, the base holding up this archway. And if right. you looked from actually the the front-facing angle, it was like, you know, base, shaft, then <laughs> the shaft kind of arced over in an arc, and then it arcs into, you know, this little archway that maybe even said something on it from one direction, like, welcome to Six Flags. But, like, the first thing you see when you enter is just this archway from the wrong angle. You don't see the full arch. It just looks like a... like an eight foot inflatable cock and, and it this was is shocking. Where you're, you're
1: walking toward it at this wrong angle <laughs> down a straight path. So you're sitting with that wrong impression of it for, you know, solid 20, 30 seconds yeah. as you make the approach. I, I say that just to say like, you know, if you were passing by this and it only looked that way from the side, it wouldn't be worth commenting on. It's just sort yeah, of. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But it's like, Exactly. If it looked from, I mean, the thing is, if they had put the archway kind of in the middle of the path and you had to walk under it, you'd have to go out of your way to view it from the wrong angle.
1: And if you did, it would be your choice and (laughs) not the (laughs) park.
0: Like you were finding, you're, you're finding dicks where dicks are not. Anyway. So
1: this is, this was a very notable example of something that I found to be present throughout the park, which is just a disregard to sight lines. There was not any interest that I saw in keeping the very different themes of the different parts of the park separate uh, and letting you kind of immerse yourself in one of them. I think it just wasn't on their list of priorities with an exception or two that I can think of, but those happen to be the not active areas of the park, which we'll get to.
0: Yeah. So before we went, I think you had encouraged like us to plan the day a little bit because being the resident dad for the day.
1: Yeah, that dad energy was <laughs> was possessing me.
0: Yeah, which which was I mean I'm not saying like that was that was fine. That was a fine thing to do because I also <laughs> think, you know, we wanted to make the day count, especially because it was expensive. Yes. Uh, It was not cheap by the time we sort of got the tickets and figured out that it was cheaper to do the gold level ticket that included the parking, that also included the meal pass for the day. There was a lot of, you know, hours yep. and hours of work to figure that out. Um, so going in, we had talked about, like, how much are we going to be researching? How much are we going to be riding rides? When will riding rides be part of the research? Um, You... you do you like roller coasters well like True. how did you explain it because you didn't say you liked them you said i don't like you think they're funny or something you can handle them what did you say about roller coasters i
1: end up having a good time on a roller coaster yeah uh i'm not like a roller coaster fan where i seek it out but when i'm stuck on one uh it just makes me laugh like crazy yeah Like
0: uh, Like a maniacal, well, it is this very like, I mean, like it's such a visceral, it's it's such a full body physical experience. Like you do sort of uh, give yourself over to the the mania of it.
1: Yes. Um, (laughs) It's it's just me and the mania of gravity.
0: (laughs) Uh, And uh, my relationship to roller coasters is that I used to love them. As a kid, I was just like an absolute daredevil and i don't know what happened like adult anxiety set in or something and i got scared of them i can't remember I if we remember, talked about this in the park or in sorry in the car in a recording we had or a not.
1: great discussion <laughs> at one point about <laughs> somebody who who was ejected from a roller coaster and i think you said maybe this has already been clipped in at this point you said that <laughs> He wasn't on the ride anymore. He was on God's ride. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was that was not a roller coaster. That was um, a water park that I used to go to as a kid in California that I think got <laughs> shut down. Yeah, yeah. Where people would just like eat off the. I mean, they would just if you if you bypassed the safety, which obviously you're bypassing the safety, but if you like, you know ran past the guards and if two kids got onto the water slide at once like it was it was game over Anyways, So this is why
1: maybe roller coasters lost a little bit of their luster for you
0: i get scared i think i'm gonna die when i'm on roller coasters and as you observed unfortunately uh i think i am going to die the slower the um ascent is before like the big dip yeah i start to have a panic attack Yes, you get to observe like a very small version of this. I think we'll come back to it. And you were just laughing, also <laughs> laughing maniacally at me, while I said, just in this sort of flat, <laughs> like disembodied monotone, "Stop the ride! Stop the ride! <laughs> That's funny. Please what can stop I say? the ride! <laughs> Please, somebody stop the ride!"
1: Oh God, this is it. <laughs> this is the end.
0: Um. So we had said we were going to go on a few rides, but but not a ton, because also we didn't want to spend the day waiting in lines. And we also had said, like, even if we don't go on any of the thrill rides, we'll we'll be happy.
1: You know, I think, in fact, our main plan was to try to at least take a look at all the sections of the park that we had the ticket access to and understanding that everything would be research, positive or negative. So having an open-ended approach made sense.
0: There was one other plan, too. But
1: one other plan, one other big draw.
0: Huge plan.
1: So the context is that that park we are writing about is re- a recreation park of Earth in the 1990s to a, a people living in the far future. And this park was funded by a media organization that owns the right to Jurassic Park. And so the theater opening of Jurassic Park and how that united the world is a feature of this fictional park. Then you found...
0: Well, because you know, every few months for the past decade, I look up Six <laughs> Flags. And uh, this time, yeah, a few months ago, I just happened to look it up and it was advertising the opening of a new ride. It was like this ride was on the front page. It was a big deal. It was a dino adventure. It was like dino adventure animatronic safari.
1: It said something N- about the most Jurassic- advanced animatronics. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. The most like advanced animatronics of our time. And it it wasn't um, Jurassic Park like licensed but clearly jurassic park branded you They know? use the
1: font yeah like you serial know?
0: numbers filed off as the, as they say
1: so i was
0: like we gotta go
1: we had to go
0: and the safari will will be sort of like also the central part of the day
1: and my memory is that we went there pretty early
0: yeah to so the safari oh, should we just get should we just get into it
1: Let's talk about the safari. We got a map of the park. Even the map of the park is highlighting the safari as this new primary feature of the park. Map
0: of the park on our devices. No more physical maps.
1: Which is a bummer. You
0: yeah, I know. Well, we really wanted like a token or like, you know, a souvenir. No more physical maps.
1: Did we get any souvenir?
0: I got a, a very expensive cup. Oh, yeah. But... We can talk more about the meal plan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, Dino Adventure. We got to drive a little safari jeep.
0: Yeah, so, okay, so what I was imagining based on, like, the press releases and stuff was, like, if you've ever been to Disneyland, I imagine they have it at Disney World, too. I I grew up going to Disneyland. There's this safari That I can't remember what the ride is called, but you go down a river and it has a live guide, like a human guide, with a mix of just sort of like pruned natural landscape and animatronics like in the bushes off to the side of the river that come up out of the water. And the guide is always like a really charismatic person who's doing a mix of following a script And like engaging the audience, and is like, oh, watch out for for this, and it's like this sort of like Steve Irwin fantasy experience, right? That's what I was imagining, and you know, it's a. I don't remember how long the Disneyland rides are. I think having gone as an adult in like twenty. Eighteen or 2017, I was surprised at how short some of them are, because, you know, when you grow up, you have like a totally different sense of time. And I'm like, yeah. oh, as a kid, I thought that was like hours long, and it was three minutes. I don't remember how long the safari is. It was much longer, though, than our our dino experience. The our dino, dino experience was shocking. It, sh- it shocked me.
1: <laughs> so the dino experience is a is in the kid zone of the park, we realized. And it's a single looped track around the Dino area. So like one thing you can do if you're making a ride and it's, you know, on a track and you want to make it feel long is you can hide the rest of the track. So people don't know how far they're going to go. You're just immersed in the moment of wherever you're at. You don't have a full picture of what the ride looks like. That was not the technique used in this case. You could just look over and see people going in the other direction. It was a small track. It was was a small small space. Yeah. It was a lightly decorated space with three or four animatronic dinosaurs which i loved
0: they were great i took pictures of those too all right we'll try to do a blog a blog post is like a big thing but also i can post more pictures in the turtle bun discord turtle bun Discord. <laughs> you don't have to like join another discord in your life that's not what i'm trying to get people to do but that is the easiest place for them to be posted so
1: the animatronic dinosaurs were very fun they were they were simple like they had, the mouth would open and close uh but that's that's my jam actually i i love a very underwhelming animatronic <laughs> with simple movement it's fun for me i think the thing that shocked me most was the lack of care for the background decoration there was just a chain link fence just blocking it off of other areas of the park which you could look at you did not get to like immerse yourself in the safari zone and I could not get over the placement of just dinosaur toys, <laughs> just little little dinosaur <laughs> figures that did not move or anything. They were just sort of scattered about.
0: Uh, yeah, it was like they ran out of animatronic budget, and so then just like, uh, like there were just like f- an alligator, a plastic alligator,
1: not like a full sized. It was like <laughs> toy sized. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, we'll cut in. Also, we did do a little bit of audio recording at the park about this, so I'll, uh, I'll, I'll cut, I'll cut some in too. Okay, so we just did the Dino Safari.
1: Yes, we did. New
0: ride.
1: Brand new. Big oh, announcement. Shit. Yeah.
0: Uh, it was pretty underwhelming.
1: And like, even for a ride that is targeted for young children. It felt very thrown together.
0: Yeah, thrown together is exactly the feeling. I mean, I had fun, but I think some of my fun was coming from sort of the ironic level of, like, being here to have fun.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I still had fun.
1: Well, I mean, this was one of the things that got us excited to come here because, you know, a dino theme.
0: Yeah, so I was having this experience, though, on this ride, and this is why what I wanted to ask you, was I had this memory of when i worked for a game company for a role playing game company years ago and i was responsible for like designing the booth yeah in 2018 and they had given me a budget and i had this vision in my mind of like vines and pirate skulls and i was imagining something that was like oh yeah this is going to be like the pirates of the caribbean of of convention booths right and then when it, like, all came together, I was like, oh, this is really sad. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm so curious, like, how much is, like, a vision, like, a top-level vision and a, right. where everybody's disappointed in the execution or how much of it is, like, c- a cynical cash grab just to get more people through the park? Like, I don't, I don't know.
1: You know, I felt like... You know, so one of the things this ride boasted was top-of-the-line animatronics, and I would say this is, like, maybe beginning of the line and, like, like the very first animatronics invented, like, no. a, a mouth-opening and thought, closing. Okay,
0: that's fair. I thought the ones that were animatronics were good. There were a lot that were thrown in that were just, like, toy dinosaurs well, that what were...
1: I, that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. So, like... <laughs> <laughs>
0: like the animatronics. So, I was like, ooh, toy, I liked them.
1: They were. I did ooh. like them. I okay. enjoyed them. I don't mean to to, to poo poo them, all right? But that was the most intricate part of the experience there were a lot of just dinosaur figurines like placed around yeah and you know when I look at how those are placed I feel like they're placed with some care I think somebody was like oh it'll be cool there'll be little like dinosaur crocodiles coming up from right here I don't think that person was given the tools to make a truly awesome experience (laughs) yeah like I think there's some care at some points in the process yeah
0: it really does. And that's why, like, I really do feel like there was actually some love that went into this on some level. Yeah. Like, love without budget.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's like, if the children's section of the park was run by children, I would be showering this with praise. I'd be like, <laughs> good job. Good. Oh,
0: you did really good. Amazing. Yeah.
1: It does have a smidge of that, like, middle school presentation kind of vibe. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm not a park designer. I don't know how hard it is to like get some plywood up or some like some sort of painted particle board with just like uh, with with jaunty, I don't know, shapes yeah, or some fake ivy. But I was I was shocked at how like I felt I felt sad and empty at the fact that this is the front page new attraction.
1: I definitely got the feeling of a too small budget being granted to designers who wanted to make something special, but did not have an appreciated job, did not have the resources or time at their disposal to make something great. And it had a very, like, we're trying our best kind of kind of mood to it. Uh, so bless them, they tried their best. One of the animatronic dinosaurs... Sprayed a little water mist.
0: Oh, I loved that. Yeah, that was fun. Wonderful. And, you know, there was a park. This was kind of interesting. And this is (laughs) what (laughs) you just like the water spraying. (laughs) Yeah. This is one of these things where it's like getting into like, is this like incidental design? There was a park employee in the sort of enclosure of the track who seemed to be maybe like cleaning something. But the person was sitting and just had like a really like smiled and waved. And it was it was almost getting into this like, oh, do they have an eventual plan to like have a person be like, watch out for the dinosaur, some sort of interactive component. Or is this just like an exceptionally charismatic and sort of present employee who knows that this is a ride for children who, while they're cleaning, is uh, being like active and playing a role even if they're not being paid for that. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, totally. It, it's a I really couldn't say which one of those two it is. It really could be either. But speaking of incidental design, the uh, <laughs> the the little jeeps you're on, no. you get to control them. They have a a pedal. Yeah. And if you press down the pedal, if you floor it, it goes at the top speed and if which is low. Yeah. And if you let your pressure off at all then it just stops dead so you're you're just you're scooting yourself around this loop at your own pace which is neat uh we pretty much just moved the whole time because it did not feel like at any given point there is much to stop and look at
0: well it's also strange because you can just stop and
1: there's a sense of like i'm going to be intruding on the the space of yeah, whoever like comes behind you. Yeah, like what can it. happen
0: to the person behind you? And we did see there were a few, like, quote, accidents at the... Well,
1: that's where I was getting to, oh, like, yeah, you go, know, okay, yeah. at the end of the loop, you <laughs> come to a period where there's just a stop, stop and wait here thing, and, you know, you're in charge of stopping, and you also are a six-year-old child, <laughs> so you don't. <laughs> And you hit the jeep in front of you, <laughs> over and over, as we were waiting in the ride. As we were waiting in the line, we just saw jeep after jeep, That's, just yeah. being like, badoom,
0: badoom. <laughs> Yeah, and then you, when we had stopped at the stop sign, you were like, "Should we do it? Should we hit?" And I was
1: like, I if "We're not
0: children. It, it hits different if it's us.
1: <laughs> it's part it's of the like, ride. It's clearly part of the ride." Nailing this
0: family in front of this us. This
1: is a designed experience. Adults
0: being like, "Boom." <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh.
1: So that was early on and it set a mood of like, there are people trying to make this park work and they are not being given what they need to succeed.
0: So after the ride, we felt a little surprised. I don't know, like we needed a few minutes to sit. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and process
0: and we sat on some benches in sort of this like in kind of like in between area between like themed sections of the park uh where we sat there kind of some like sad shadeless benches low shade benches and then on like poles or posts above the benches there are televisions and this is a good transition to maybe talking about like the park like licensing Trying to make some of its money from licensing.
1: Yeah, I mean, because
0: they were playing Looney Tunes. I should, I guess, I should finish my. They're they're just playing Looney Tunes, but in this very like weird. All I all I could yeah. like take over. No, it's it, so strange. It
1: is strange. There was a sort of wacky pole that twisted around, suspending a medium bigish TV, facing a path, playing Looney Tunes in a way that nobody could comfortably sit and watch. And so I guess the cartoon was being used as a sort of set dressing, but it had an odd sense of like a TV playing to nobody. The whole licensing felt very odd to me because it felt like the designers had looked at Disney World or Land and said this is based on a media property it's based on a universe of films and media and the park is bringing it to life and people go to see that thing they watched on tv but real i i almost feel like i'm giving it too much credit even giving it that much thought because for the most part the way that licensed properties work in six flags felt Extremely shallow and uninterested in the in anything about the properties other than their iconography.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And different parts of the park are are themed technically around this the iconography of different licensed properties. So there's like kind of the Looney Tunes part of the park. But then Looney Tunes is also just like I think maybe the most common theme sort of threaded between like shops and stuff. Like in most shops, I it's feel it's
1: kind like of 50-50. Maybe. I mean there was actually yeah. one shop that was clearly the Looney Tunes shop with oh, that's a huge true. Looney Tune yeah. sculpture that had been, I presume later, divided down the middle for their other big property which is the D- DC, DC universe right, yeah so when i think about looney tunes i think about bugs bunny doing something clever i think about antics and tricks and catching the roadrunner uh but for six flags what it seemed to take away from the property was that there is a bugs bunny <laughs> <laughs> There is a roadrunner. Like, these are images that can be pasted places.
0: I just want to tie this back really quickly to our world building episode, because it really had this feeling of like, I don't know, when you just, you're like... This is a book where there are tanks or something, or like this yeah. is a world where there's cool future thing that I put in my head, but it like doesn't matter. Like it's not contextualized. It's like the it's it's like making a million versions of Monopoly, but I think even I don't know, you know, it's been a long time since I've played a themed Monopoly. I don't even know if I've ever played a theme Monopoly. So maybe, maybe it's more integrated, but it really felt like just like like a sad premium skin that you pay for, for a character, you know, like in an in-app purchase game that you don't even want, but you're kind of sadly addicted to. uh, I don't know.
1: Do you remember the Tasmanian Devil Prop Hunt?
0: Uh, Wait, what was the Tasmanian Devil Prop Hunt? I remember the Tasmanian ride that we went on, which we didn't realize until we started to go on it, that it was actually for like (laughs) the smallest of children, that it was like That's the one. Oh, Oh, I think was... it was.
1: Uh, sorry, Prop Factory. Oh, okay, yes. So when you said called. Prop
0: Hunt, I was like. What
1: the was it? Tasmanian prop... Devil Prop Factory was the ride.
0: Oh, that's actually what it was called. Yeah. That's a really weird name.
1: Yeah, it, huh. it is.
0: Okay, <laughs> that's a weird um, name.
1: It was a. I'm. I know. I I talked a little low about the uh, safari loop.
0: Oh, there's farther to fall.
1: This is a truly minuscule little loop uh with with the barest amount of landscaping around it uh it is mostly it's almost like an unfinished dirt lot that has some tracks around it it does have one decoration one and that is the facade the facing front of a house that is labeled Prop Factory that just looks like a house. And standing in front of it is a statue of the Tasmanian devil with the paint chipping off and rusted metal beneath.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I got a picture of that one. I The ride was so short, like it all, it happened so fast. So I think I didn't get a picture of it. But it's like, It's a Tasmanian devil sort of metal with like lacquer over it that um, looks like it hasn't been updated or cared for since probably it was built. It has a giant chip. It's like incredibly sun bleached, almost to the point of being colorless. It was it was a it was genuinely sad.
1: And it for me embodied a sense of just like like their idea of a licensed property is, look, it's the Tasmanian devil
0: this This was another place where it is not my job to be responsible for the budget of Six Flags, so as a visitor and a uh, game designer or whatever, <laughs> like I can I can come up with whatever ideas I want and make guesses about whether they're cheap or expensive. But that one was another example of just like putting wooden painted, I don't know. I can't remember what there's like. This like really thin kind of wood that you can get, and you like plywood, I, plywood. a plywood is plywood, the really really thin one.
1: Yeah, that's the one that's that's basically made by compressed sawdust.
0: Okay, so it must be, like you could put pl- plywood, jaggy blobs and shapes, and just make it better. Yes, make it a better ride. Make there be something to see except dead plants and a sun bleached Tasmanian devil. Uh, who was, like, abandoned there in 1994.
1: It's weird for, like, a 40-second ride to be boring.
0: That, oh, my God, <laughs> I know. <laughs>
1: it's like, I'm not bored often in my days. And, like, but, but it's like the Tasmanian Devil was pretty early. And then you can just look ahead of you and see that it is a track that's going to go, that's going to curve back to the point of origin, (laughs) with nothing to see. And you're like, okay, at this pace, I can imagine it's going to be another 20, 25 seconds. Here we go. Going around the bend. But I wanted to talk about one other really enjoyable aspect of the licensing. Yeah. Which is the costumed Characters,
0: yeah, yeah, the live
1: characters. I
0: know. I guess you. Know, I feel like we've been talking a lot about these sort of kind of like dead, no real people, low energy spaces. So, like, yeah, let's talk about where there are real people in the park.
1: So, there is a hourly, maybe every other hour, uh, event in the center of the park. Yeah, which is like the Looney Tune thing it's yeah. happening Yeah, so
0: it's sort of their equivalent their their really sized down equivalent i think of like disneyland's main street usa yeah which you... there's like a gazebo and well yeah some shops some around shops around and it. then a place where the live show live shows happen that was i did some air quotes but i'm not being down on these live shows because as we will say i genuinely think it's one of the place where the people who work in the park are bringing some of the best energy, despite uh, not being supported in that.
1: The thing that I thought about, you know, this it reminds me of the interview in our last episode, actually, is that as a performer, as somebody who's there working in the park, you have the experience of connecting with some people, like often kids who are just, just, out of their mind delighted by what you're doing and i think that is such an immensely rewarding experience that it vitalizes these employees that's my best guess because i don't know where they're getting their good energy from otherwise but they are they were genuinely bringing it and felt truly excited to like be seen uh, and enjoyed that said, they did have a script to follow for that event, which did not feel like it was written with joy to me. It wasn't until the second one that we attended that we really got a a sense of like, oh no, this is really it.
0: Yeah, yeah, because there was a little bit of a sense all day that, um, but like, it seemed like they were sort of like check back in at the gazebo throughout the day until the big event. Right. There was a
1: big midday one.
0: Yeah. yeah. So we weren't judging too harshly because we were like, this isn't the big event yet.
1: The big event was uh, hard pressed to express how it was different other than having somebody on a megaphone advertising it for 10 minutes before it began.
0: Uh, Yeah. There was like a countdown who like awesome presenter, by the way, the presenter was so energetic and like a really lively, charismatic Stage presence and person who could command an audience. And, you know, leading up to it, the person was like 10 minutes, 10 minutes before the big event. And we sat in the gazebo, just sort of waiting. We were the first. We- <laughs> well, to say a really positive thing, and one of my regrets of the day was every time we went to the gazebo, there was this incredibly excited college age kid, high school.
1: I would say college.
0: College College-age kid who was there taking pictures, going up to every costumed character and getting a picture with each individual one and giving them big hugs. And the kid seemed to be there with his family and... At first, we were like, "This is a very excited person," and as it continued throughout the day, we were like, "This person is either a former employee or a close friend with some of the employees." Because he was really
1: talking with, yeah, really people. talking,
0: and there was just like such a good energy that he was bringing, like, yeah. like just like a beaming, loving, vibrant person, and. Throughout the day, every time we went, I was inches away from just being like, "Hey, I would love to. Like, you seem like you have some connection to this park. I would love to talk to you about it." And every time that, you know, right before I did, sort of the social veil of like, "Is this inappropriate? Am I going to be disturbing this person and and his family?" Uh, Which and we've I, been
1: talking about like tackling that that social awkwardness more yes. in these research endeavors.
0: Yeah, and I did one of there was one yes. part of the day that I I did. And I don't I would love to talk about it. Um, but I also don't want to get us too far away from well, our... we should talk
1: about the performance. So the performance is a little dance number. <laughs> you and were a song. so I feel
0: like you were so mad about it.
1: I got very mad about this after the second time, realizing that that it was not just the the mini event, this was the main event as well, exactly the same. It's a song, and it has some lyrics that it repeats. And the lyrics are basically, Look, it's us, the Looney Tunes characters. We're here at Six Flags. You're having the best day of your life.
0: Where well, does the exactly? I took a video, so I, I'm sure I have it. I can post it. Yeah, it was like this is the best day of your life, or something like that, just repeated again and again. Yes. Uh, well, the characters performed admirably.
1: Uh, their their costumes were fun. The dance number was not specific to any given character. It was just everybody in sync walking around in a circle and kicking their legs.
0: Yeah, there no there was some light choreography.
1: There was some late choreography, yeah, yeah. but I guess the point I'm making is the choreography had nothing to do with the Looney Tunes characters. Yes,
0: nobody was like embodying like Bugs Bunny wasn't playing a prank on
1: right.
0: the Hunter. Who does Bugs <laughs> Looney Tunes is not my specialty.
1: Elmer Fudd. Thank
0: you. Thank you. Yeah, on Elmer Fudd.
1: Yeah, there was no embodiment, just as you said. And the song itself had no character outside of It's us, the Looney Tunes. The Looney Tunes are here in Six Flags.
0: Can you just look upon us and You're having the
1: best day of your life. (laughs) Um, That's that's what they sung once, and then that's what they sung again in the main event. And that, for me, felt absolutely shockingly unimaginative. Yeah. And uncurious, uninterested. And why these characters are beloved in any sense. Like, I don't need extremely immersive, you know, augmented reality levels of gamification or anything. It would be enough to just have the roadrunner say beep beep.
0: Yeah, yeah. That would be
1: nice. I'd love to hear a little beep beep. That's all.
0: They ran little little games. They could be called games for Kids. Yeah, during um, After
1: the main event, then some employees came out after the costumed performers had dispersed and ran some interactive activities for kids. That's a
0: good, yeah, that's a good description, like interactive activities. And it was one of those places where, you know, I think about successful board games. Like I think about a game like um, Codenames and I'm not a big board game person, but theming has always been what's needed for me to help have something tangible to grasp the rules and you know in code names like it's this sort of word finding matching game where it's themed like secret agents and that's that's doesn't matter but it's a way to help explain the game and like get into a mood and to theme these games it just would have been even less of a stretch than theming code names be like you you have spent so much money on the gift of this property with generations of history behind these characters and ways that they interact and to just have no theming anywhere around the activities around the dances for like the way that we know these characters to be very just a sad omission
1: it's baffling to me i mean it just it feels like like Where is the one passionate person who's like, oh, let's watch some Looney Tunes and see what makes them special?
0: And for a park that has a lot of incredibly dead spaces, I can't even imagine how expensive it is to maintain like all of these storefronts and all of these facades and stuff and and, like keep every themed section of this park running and vibrant. So if you can't do that, what can you do? You can put a person there. You can put a person in a Bugs Bunny costume, juggling, interacting with people lightly, having like a show every hour uh, that's like a few minute thing where Elmer Fudd and Bugs Bunny interact. Uh,
1: Yeah, just turn to the audience and, you know, Bugs Bunny being like, be very quiet. Like, don't let him know, whatever.
0: It's just right there. Yeah. uh,
1: yeah, there's something depressing about that. It feels like a truly run by machine.
0: And again, I just want to say I, I mean, I think you made this clear, but like the employees were all, they were just, they were like 100%ing it.
1: So the employee interactive activities, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They were like, I don't gone. think this
0: is coming from any failure on their part. Like, it's I think coming they from were
1: absolutely raising the bar way above. What it had any right to be set at, <laughs> um, the activity, the interactive activity they did was a race of stacking spray painted trash cans and making a little a little tower of upside down trash cans. So I, I look at that, and they they did this admirably. They. they they brought the energy up, they brought the timers, they got kids involved. Yeah, it was there, cute. Was, there
0: was even one person who was entirely on stilts the whole time.
1: What I the reason I mentioned the spray painted trash cans is because I believe that they were given a open ended directive of be entertaining. Entertain the audience for a while. And they did the work of coming up with these props. Uh To me, that's the vibe it had. And I could be wrong, and these are Six Flags shipped, designed, (laughs) spray-painted trash cans. But I feel like the employees (laughs) took it upon themselves to come up with some fun games that they could do with kids. They also had a big whiteboard where they were tallying favorite foods. And like just, to me, it had a, a scrappy, enthusiastic, but undirected feeling of Employees doing their best to make the best of their situation. Yeah. I'm curious, Do did you get any of that impression that they were going off script?
0: I could really go either way. Like, either it's like a group of high school, college kids where they've been sort of just told to, like, go online and find a fun game, uh, or it's a sanctioned six flags corporate active i i don't know this is one place where like our last episode i would love to talk to somebody who works there so uh, yeah you know put our put our contact info in the show notes not sure
1: let's talk about the shops surrounding this gazebo central district and just scattered across the whole park
0: okay the shops were very fascinating I know which one we want to talk about. You do? I think so.
1: Is it the, the one with the contorted alien balloon? In oh the no, <laughs> I
0: don't even think that was like. I think that was like a shut down shop. Uh, <laughs> really early on, right at the beginning, we well, actually, I don't know if this was right at the beginning. It it doesn't matter. We went into a shop that was Six Flags branded merch. And you described it so well. I had written this phrase. You described it as brute force taste matching because it was a it was a pretty sizable shop and it was just sort of like Six Flags slogans and some things themed around certain rides with like kind of a military America, slightly fashy version of America designs Mm -hmm. section of the store. A few feet away from like the gay pride rainbows on the Six Flags logo part of the store.
1: You could go further and find the like hippie generation. You could find the sort of punk. You could find very sports
0: Oh yeah, like kind of the sports teams focused ones. It was very it was very strange. And I took a picture of, I took a, I just remembered this. There were these booty shorts. I don't remember what section they were in. <laughs> yeah. I think it was like in the like vacation lifeguard section. There were these booty shorts that said six flags on the back. And it was like six, and then lags was on the other side of the butt. It was, and I like kind of got, right?
1: It was the word lifeguard, actually. Oh,
0: shit. It was lifeguard. That's even worse. It was
1: lifeguh. Oouard.
0: Oh, that's so much worse. It was lifeguard.
1: Life-ang.
0: Life egg?
1: Life. Uard.
0: Wait, that one doesn't even. I guess you have to figure out where you're going to put that extra letter, but why would you put it in that
1: direction? <laughs> that's the question. <laughs>
0: it's, it's the wrong, like, I get that there's an egg, it's the wrong direction. Why? <laughs> it's insane. Everything about this place felt insane.
1: I'll say my favorite part from that shop. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, what was your favorite part?
1: There was a big Oh,
0: it's the grab bag. You left the grab bag.
1: Those little spoilers. Sorry, Jeez. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> and there were these square wire bins where at the bottom of them were piles of darkened bags. Like trash bags. And a sign in front that just was mystery bags (laughs) five dollars.
0: I guess I feel like maybe we did make a mistake not buying a mystery bag. It
1: was a huge mistake. I
0: think that's probably a big mistake. Not to
1: mention premiumization. Yeah. If you go to the other side of the counter, there's another bin with an identical looking pile of little trash bags (laughs) that says mystery bags ten dollars
0: <laughs> we, we stayed in the store for a really long time it was the only part of the day where I felt like we were getting like observed a little bit for like slightly abnormal behavior
1: well I mean I was looking down at the mystery <laughs> bags and giggling so <laughs> were, I guess I deserved
0: it. looking at the bags giggling maniacally <laughs> I don't know why I didn't just buy you a bag and then say, don't worry, we're leaving. We're leaving. He just needs his mystery bag. I don't
1: know that that's like a joke that I can explain why that's so funny to me. uh, Maybe it just hits some other people that way. Oh, God. It gets to me. (laughs) A lot of poop emoji hats.
0: There were a lot of poop emoji hats and I I couldn't, at some point I was like trying to be less cynical about it. I was like, are these poop emoji hats or like ice cream hats? Oh, no, that's poop emoji hats. Definitely that's poop emoji when it's got the little eyes and the brown coil. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's, well, some of them were like kind (laughs) of rainbow or like sherbet colored. So it's still a poop emoji if it's sherbert colored.
1: It's. I would be Lord yeah, if that emoji. was a soft serve ice cream. <laughs> that would be the funniest thing in the world. All right. Um, All right. I hope you're right.
0: <laughs> Let's talk about some of the shut down liminal spaces.
1: So I think in an earlier iteration of the park, it was more interested in mimicking the Main Street USA vibe of Disneyland. Uh, there are two sections of the park that bring it to mind. I'm just
0: starting I'm I'm laughing, just thinking about just I'm just laughing, thinking about some of the things in the shutdown places, but keep going.
1: One of them is Rockville.
0: Oh, it was Rockville. Well you'll tell you'll say.
1: Is it worth looking at? I have a picture of the sign if I want to confirm oh, Rockville. the
0: name. Oh, it was like sort of just like a street area with a lot of shutdown things.
1: It had the. It was like a, I don't know, fifties town.
0: Oh yeah, they're they're going for the like little sort of bebop diners and like auto, re, cute auto little auto shops,
1: shops and... working
0: on your old car.
1: So it's supposed to be that cute kind of town that's like along a highway, or maybe that kind of town that gets sort of ruined by a high, a highway, like the kind of town where it's along a route that people go by. And that provides the business. But then later, like a super freeway gets built and nobody takes the small road. And so the town dies. So I think in Six Flags, it might be something like the D.C. licensing deal was the freeway that killed Rockville.
0: <laughs> Although I, I will say, I mean, and we'll get to it in a few minutes, that the D.C. part did not feel particularly thriving either. But
1: <laughs> no. So Rockville has all these storefronts that evoke that era, but they are closed. They are emptied. And I mean, closed is the wrong word. They are emptied. So they are just these hollow rooms underneath the signs, but completely open for you to wander into. And you're even half-heartedly encouraged to wander into these open spaces.
0: Because there is something in them.
1: This really got to me, too. It's the line of claw machines. Like, a line of four claw machines would be set along the back of the room with a scant amount of prizes in each of them. Most of which were (laughs) Bob Ross (laughs) plushes.
0: It was really weird, God, I feel like I'm describing a dream, yeah, it was so bizarre to have these like closed down, and there was something so sad about um not having the respect for your visitors to close down these places, some of which felt a little like dangerous, even like sometimes there would be like a piece of metal jutting out or they were dirty. They would have
1: very dirty corners. I went and stood in one of those corners. I mean, I was in the mood to just soak (laughs) it in. You
0: were just like, I'm getting, yeah.
1: (laughs) I'm like, I'm feeling it. Like I'm at the, I'm like behind a a claw machine (laughs) and like some emergency door. And it just felt surreal that this was a real space for me to exist in in this park
0: yeah so to to see these kind of shut down spaces with broken often not even working claw machines and you'd get up and you'd be like what's in what is in this claw machine and in every one it was just bob ross bob ross plush dolls we were like this is weird
1: i it's it it was very weird and the the theme of claw machines being thrown into unused corners and closed attractions was constant. Like it was, I don't. I, I wish I had the words to express why this struck me as so sad and despondent. Like it's, it's a claw machine is, and we were talking about this in the arcade. There's one yeah, arcade, and
0: I um, I do have a thought about this, but yeah,
1: I'll just say the arcade is one of the arcades that's very ticket-focused, very focused on getting uh, points from the things that you play that you can then redeem for little objects and candies and stuff. And a few huge objects that look like they had been there for 15 years unclaimed. Another,
0: Yeah, yeah. I think the biggest object that you could spend your tickets on was a very damaged box, uh, t- totally sun-bleached train, train set.
1: Yeah. Oh, that one. Yeah, was, that like the box decades was like.
0: Old. Yeah, I, I. mean, I. It really looked like something like a train set that I would have grown up with in the '90s. Yeah,
1: it was from Rockville. <laughs> it was from Rock. <laughs> so the thing at this arcade is that the majority, the large majority of the machines were gambling machines, like put in a quarter and see how many quarters get pushed off the edge of this falling platform or try to stop the light at this point around the wheel or whatever. Games where there is no intrinsic joy in what you're doing outside of the potential for a payout, which I'm contrasting to an arcade game where there's a designed game, racing game, video games where it's truly the prize is your experience.
0: Got it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the... Uh, yeah. Okay. I'm not going to interrupt you. I'm just getting so excited and sad. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very confusing emotion.
1: <laughs> so for me, claw machines are very much in the category of prize-focused gambling experiences. Not to say there's nothing fun about it, but also the way that they are priced is such that it's it feels like a gamble. It does not feel like... When you spend $5, that could arguably be a good price for a Bob Ross plush, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not a good price for the amount of fun you have trying to make a very, like, weak claw pick up something.
0: No, and also, I mean, I just want to call out that sometimes the price per grab on some of these machines is $5.
1: That's right, right, I mean, exactly. Yeah, yeah,
0: like it's not like a dollar and a dollar and a dollar and you're like, ooh, okay, I'll play until five. Because
1: um, when they're cheap enough, you, there is something to be argued for just, well, it's fun to try to get it. Yeah. At a certain price, it feels like you either win the gamble or you don't.
0: I mean, when you said like, "What? why does it even feel this sad? I feel like to some extent we've kind of, it's hard for it to not feel sad when you're talking about like a discarded spot that should be closed up where you're sticking like a broken machine with dirty Luigi's <laughs> in yeah. it. But I think one way that it felt really sad for me is to see a claw machine as like a place to sort of cause somebody to stop for a moment in a lively center that people are walking through where it's like kind of put along a path in set a little bit or it's in a... um it's like a restaurant putting a little gumball machine in you know they're yeah. like oh or a vending machine they're like oh and we get a little extra money from this claw machine at one point we were walking past one of these really dead areas on the way to it was on our way to the Dino ride and there was this like inset area like kind of both inset and also, like, really unprotected from the sun. Like, the sun was kind of, like, shining directly on it really unpleasantly. There were maybe three machines. Two of them were broken. And I walked past, and, like, while we were walking past, like, a little kid walked up. Like, I was like, no, like, don't – I want you to know beauty. Don't be attracted to this dirty machine. Like, it's still – somehow vaguely doing its job in like making a little kid like pull their family aside to tap the glass. And Uh that felt so sad to me. I was like, don't close this down. (laughs) Close it down. Like, do you care about your audience so little that you want this fucking family to go into this dirty corner so their child can want the broken nintendo switch that's in here it just i didn't even expect to feel impassioned but it like it disgusts me it makes me feel disgusted well the cynical
1: thing about it is that it is just like it's going to be irresistible to some kids who are just drawn in by gambling yeah which is a psychological thing like it's not it's not like a hey this might be fun it's a Well, we could probably extract a bit of money by shoving some more of these in people's faces everywhere. (laughs) There were so many claw machines.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's to me the the biggest thing that I took away from the park was just anywhere there was something closed down, there was a claw machine.
1: Usually a line of them. (laughs) Completely abandoned.
0: I did like the one that we passed that was like had the, where the claw had fallen in. It was one of the few that wasn't Bob Ross's. And it was like some sort of really dirty Mario and Luigi's. And the claw had fallen on them. And when we walked by, the claw machine said, call attendant, call attendant.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Mario is deceased. So Rockville was in a bad way. Uh, and so was Crack Axel <laughs> Town. Don't laugh, I
0: keep laughing, I know. I'm sorry, I can't every time there's every nothing
1: time. <laughs> funny about crack axle town
0: every time I would say to you once we should hit the Western one, what's the Western one called, and you'd look at the map and you'd say, "Crack axle, and I would just start laughing. <laughs> I was probably getting a little heat stroked by this time.
1: <laughs> crack axle town. it's weird that it was open to go through, even
0: Cracked, crack crack I can't even crack axle was so strange because it was pretty much entirely shut down and there were some parts that really were kind of like boarded off but there was like nothing there but it made me i think this was this was the part that made me the most bummed because crack axle i also felt like was the best designed it was um, like a
1: western like gold rushy kind of
0: yeah the way that it was designed was um, just, I think, some of the most successful on like pleasant paths and sort of like there was there were a lot of tiered, tiered architecture yeah. where like you would go on kind of a winding path and you'd have these little businesses and buildings where some were set below and, or there'd be like a little grassy knoll. And it was a bummer because it was like a really pleasant place to sit, except it felt haunted.
1: It was, it was a Western ghost it town. It was
0: literally a ghost town, which was kind of fun. Also, it was a bummer because they were playing like, rather than sort of old timey, like kind of Western, like, oh, yeah. the, like the music you'd you'd play when you go first on Pirates of the Caribbean and it's like like maybe a little bit of a banjo tune. Instead, it was like bad country.
1: Yeah. Like
0: bad, bad country. Well, it was a lot of Shania Twain, like no, no shade to Shania, but like <laughs> it was just not Talk about immersion. Like, it bring, really brings you out of the immersion of, like, yeah. a gold rush town when it's Shania Twain and not uh, just, like, a nice banjo. Yeah. But they didn't fucking care about Crack axle because it was literally dead and we could have looted it.
1: <laughs> we almost did. I walked into that one shop.
0: Evan walked into... Well, we couldn't tell if it was open, which was a theme of the day. Yeah. <laughs> it was like not being sure if things were not just open, but even still like operational. And we opened the door of an ice cream shop and it was just like shut down. I don't know if it was just shut down for the day or not operational, but there was like good shit in there.
1: Yeah. And you were like,
0: Evan, get out, get out. <laughs> <I was> like- <laughs> Stop it. And you were like, "We should walk around," and I was like, "I'm a dear, naughty boy. <laughs> Don't be naughty." <laughs> <laughs> I got scared. <laughs> Not that anybody would have cared.
1: Crackaxel had some of that spirit of being designed by somebody who cared about the overall experience, and that being completely abandoned felt uh, poignant. Yeah. You know, part of what made it like a pleasant seeming area was its its layout that was evoking an older style of town with like a vibrant downtown of little shops that are owned by individuals. This is like in Rockville, too. This is the nostalgia that's being played on. A time where small little businesses were each doing their own thing, and you know everybody's name in the town. And it's.
0: Yeah. Well, and I mean, one thing in terms of just like park design and visitor comfort, one thing that Crack Axle did that Rockville, to my memory, didn't was that in these little Western shops and storefronts, which were, like you said, closed down, there was like sort of these fake covered porches. And the yeah. covered porches had like these thresholds below them that were like either brick or fake wood and and there were shade shaded benches. And yeah, uh we'll we'll talk about the premiumization of comfort in a little bit, but uh it was nice. I mean that that was the point of the day where I was starting to get kind of like overwarm too, and we sat for a while in crack axle. Yeah. Uh, I think I took a video. I'll share the video somewhere. <laughs>
1: And we can play an audio clip here.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I, I would just be playing like like tinny Shania <laughs> Twain, so I won't do that.
1: to bring you into the immersive experience of crack town. <laughs> Having these nostalgic areas be dead and abandoned felt like a metaphor for how these areas have truly become dead and abandoned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go ahead and talk about The Shade.
0: Okay. Is this kind of the last thing we're talking about? Yeah. All right. Premiumization.
1: Premiumization.
0: Is that a word? Wait did did you you're using that word for a reason, right? Did... Because
1: that is the word that the CEO used over and over, <sighs> and I enjoy its its businessy.
0: It's got the real founder. Magic. It's got founder energy. That is a founder word, right yeah. there.
1: So, the premiumization is an attempt to. Make a luxury experience on offer as a way to enjoy these parks while being a luxury person. Uh,
0: <laughs> so, oh, oh, yeah, a I got target a, customer. I got a really quick. Okay, just during this section, I also have to mention my my people, my people that I did talk to. Yes. So I'll just 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 flagging that.
1: <laughs> so shade is one example. There were very few shaded areas in the park which we really felt because it was sunny and hot and this was part of an operation about creating a pay for shade rent a cabana tent zone uh, that was in the middle of the park fenced off and not being used either there like was
0: there was one couple Oh yeah, renting a cabana. Yeah, and I kept, I kept weighing because they were there a few times throughout the day, and I kept weighing like, do I want to shout to them and ask them about their cabana? But the, I, you know, I could be wrong. They were giving like a distinct energy off of like, do not shout to us and ask <laughs> about our cabana. <laughs> so I like, I, know I just that energy, followed my, Yeah, I just followed my heart there.
1: <laughs> the cabanas looked. Uh, maybe a little less than luxury to me. Um, they were they were tents. They had TVs set up inside of them.
0: Yeah, you know what they kind of. We were just talking about this this morning in an unrelated conversation. But you know when you like go into a store, it's like like a pet store or something. And it's, like, for some reason selling patio furniture. And they have, yeah. like, a little bit of, like, a, that, like, fake grass thrown down and kind of, like, a cheap-looking tent over a...
1: Discounted yeah. grill or something.
0: Yeah. It was um yeah. not a loving cabana. I don't... I think there were... Maybe there was a plant. I was kind of shocked by the fact that they had like made this area where you're paying for luxury and like a little like you're in your tropical tropical vacation and I don't even remember if there were any plants. It seemed like you could throw some more plants in, throw a bird of paradise, but uh
1: it felt thrown together. Yeah. Felt like somebody bought three tents. Yeah.
0: yeah. Three tents and like some cheap loungers. Oh, and then the and then each cabana also did have a flat screen television in it. Right. Oof.
1: The yeah, going to Six Flags to watch TV in your tent. Um,
0: and how much was it to rent the cabana? Fourteen ninety nine or something.
1: At least uh, it might have $20? been more than that. Okay, it, some, it was, something between fifteen and twenty dollars. Yeah. And to make that space valuable, presumably shade was removed from the rest of the park and so this is what premiumization is like right i mean if it, they had the thing that i think is common in amusement parks now the fast pass lane a premium version where you don't wait in line which by its very nature means everybody else waits longer because there are people cutting in front of you who paid to cut in front of you um, the most tantalizing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> premium offer was the VIP zone. Yeah. A building with darkened windows. Yeah. And somebody outside of it.
0: Yeah, like a bouncer. Like a bouncer. I mean, it was just an employee, but like, yeah.
1: And it was, I believe, 20 bucks per person to get into that, that building. And we... Had a little debate.
0: I know. I, we, we stood like a few feet away from this employee debating this for like 20 minutes about whether it would be worth it for our research and for this episode for each of us. Because I was like, well, you can just go and I'll just stand outside.
1: <laughs> I made that same offer to you. Oh, did we? Yeah. But then I was like, don't leave me. <laughs> <laughs> um. But we were like, no, we got to do it together. And then we we're like, $40. Uh, yeah. So we do not know what is in the VIP No, zone. we don't.
0: I, I know that it advertised like air conditioning and then something about like food and beverages, but it also seemed to kind of emphasize like a light food. Like I'm very curious. Yeah. Like, are we talking about like free saltines. bags of Funyuns or are these like dollar bags of Funyuns? Wait, what did you say?
1: I said saltines.
0: Saltines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like like oyster crackers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because for all I know, you could get in and it's just some tables with vending machines. Like, I don't, I just don't know. Or it know. could be
1: literally paradise.
0: Well, yeah. Like...
1: Odds seem low, but but we just don't know. Um, the experience for us was one of feeling like we were not premium human beings.
0: No, no. And I, I started to have like, it, I mean, we were having fun the whole day. Like, we were just—I know we're—we're—we're we're, we're talking a lot of shit about Six Flags, but like, we were having a blast.
1: Absolutely. Uh,
0: and every part of this was fun to observe, even the parts that felt kind of shocking. Uh, but the the cabana, or not—not not the cabana, the lounge, VIP lounge. Was it literally? I think it was called the VIP lounge.
1: I don't remember. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's that, an exclusive lounge. That
0: was the point. It was getting later in the day, too. It's was getting a little tired. And that was the point where I felt like even for the fun of it and the irony of it, I had to kind of – I wanted to, like, put my foot down somewhere for, like, being scammed. Like, I felt like I was just this, like – resented washcloth the whole day and that the ceo was just at the top being like i'm gonna ring you out you walmart person until you become a target until yeah. you never come back here and and looking at the vip lounge i was like i will not be wrong any further yeah it was uh, i felt we had to draw the line somewhere of what we were gonna pay for for the i mean day. it was
1: gross I mean the the darkened windows and stuff like it really does give this sense of this is a special kind of person who should not have to be seen yeah, by the yeah. Walmart people. Yeah,
0: but it's like also just like who goes to Six Flags? I mean this this might be a class judgment in and of itself. Uh I don't know. Is it like it's like who goes to Six Flags to be in the VIP lounge? I mean is that a class judgment or is that just a judgment about like how you enjoy your day and have fun? Like who goes to Six Flags to go to the VIP lounge? It's bizarre.
1: We did meet some actual VIPs. We
0: did. Yeah. Okay. So, and then.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And these, uh, this was one of the, there was also another theme of that day, which was that I was wrong about everything. I kept being wrong.
0: (gasps) Oh my God. You were so wrong. And you were like, really? I mean, (laughs) it's not that I especially like being right, but there were like multiple times in the day where I was like, how does blah, blah, blah work? How does the meal plan work? How do snacks work? And, you know, could it work like this? And you were like it can't work like that. And then it always worked like I said it worked.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was I was real bad that
0: day. (laughs) I I love being right. So I felt like you were just like giving me gift after gift too. So at one point we were following,
1: uh, we were walking behind a few people who were wearing nice looking suits and they were carrying little like cellophane gift bags, little like goodie bags. And I was like, those people got the like highest level ticket because the description of that ticket you know list all the features and then at the end was then just like and extras worth upwards of 20 dollars of freebies (laughs) and i was like this must be it it's their mystery (laughs) bag of little doodads that's worth upwards of 20 dollars these are these are gold pass holders And,
0: and this was one place where i was like evan You are so wrong here. Nobody goes to Six Flags. Nobody spends their $400 on their day ticket or something to Six Flags to wear a business suit. These people are either, my guess was like on a work thing, a work event, or like for somebody's like retirement party or something. I was like, maybe
1: this is just how $400 pass holders are. No, I was like, first of all, I don't know.
0: Even if rich people wanted to go to Six Flags, they're dressing down. Like that's the gift they're giving themselves. Is they're they're dressing down, they're getting loose, they're having fun, they're like uh, wearing the Hawaiian shirt. I, I was, was wrong. This was one place where we uh, there was like a small battle here because yeah. I was like, you're crazy, Evan, to think we live in a world where somebody spends their buys their VIP ticket to wear their business suit to Six Flags.
1: I was getting all twisted on claw <laughs> I wasn't myself. It's
0: okay. So then, but this <laughs> was one place where then I was like, I have to know. So we followed them. Uh, and for a while, because also, you know, I have the social anxiety and I was like, Evan, I'm going to talk to them. OK, I'm going to talk to them. And maybe you feel anxious, too, right?
1: Oh, I get anxious, too. But I'm, I'm certainly down to encourage you to do it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we had we followed them for like a little bit. And then I mean, it, it wasn't like too far of a stretch because we were already kind of heading in that direction. But. It was the perfect opportunity because then some of their group got on a ride and then there was like this little sort of bridge under the Superman ride or something where you could like stand and kind of watch the ride happen. So they were standing and then we were standing and they were chatting and I sidled and I I was like. Well, it, it was the perfect it was the perfect end because you know they like pointed to the ride and said something like, "Oh, you know, some of our some of us aren't brave enough to do that. We're much more comfortable here." And I was like, "I know, that's right. I'm a watcher, not a participator, or something." Uh-huh. I agree. Now we're friends. And uh, then I said, "Like, oh, I was like, I noticed your gift, your bags, your special bags. Like, are you here on some sort of like special event?" And they said they were from the tourism board. Yes. And then I just was like, oh, cool.
1: <laughs> so
0: there was like a missed opportunity thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're still, we talked a lot that day about who is the tourism board of like I, Massachusetts of America.
0: I did feel like after I asked that question and got an answer, I was like, like that was the social
1: you were adrenalized.
0: I was like really I was like I could feel like sometimes like if I'm not, I got like the little like heat rash, you know, when you get like kind of that splotchiness around your neck when you like yeah. talk to another human being. And so I I would have loved to know more. And like I don't know if they're from the US, like you know, big wig tourism board. Maybe they are gonna get them comfortable and not answer questions, but also like that's on them, not on me. And I wish I had pushed it a little bit further. Yeah, I do. I regret that. I would love to know why they're there.
1: I like to imagine that the park had been on its absolute best behavior that day. Like no holds barred, that because the tourism so, board is coming to why, town. That's
0: why the dick was there. <laughs> 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 they were like, "We have to bring out the cock and balls." That
1: everything we've said has been about the park, like doing its absolute utmost to be impressive. <laughs>
0: that is really sad to imagine, and I hope that's not the case.
1: To close out, do you want to? You want to share any fond memories?
0: Like all of this is a fond memory, even though that sounds like we've just been dragging six flags. I mean, I had a great, I had a great time. It was really fun spending the day with you. We laughed a lot. One thing that I'll say is even despite the price, we did the sort of meal pass thing and it was very smooth. Yeah. It was, it was pretty clear. It was pretty easy. I thought that it was, I don't want to say it was a good deal. Well, it was like one of those things, had we not gotten it food would have not seemed like a good deal. It made food to seem like a good deal.
1: <laughs> and that <laughs> because... itself was a manipulation yes. of certain so, offers. Yeah, yeah. Not easy.
0: Getting food with that pass was really easy. Getting drinks was easy. I loved, we got soft serve at the end of the day and we just like sat on a bench and ate soft serve. And I was like, soft serve is awesome. It's I love soft year, serve. Right? I was like, when was the last time that I had soft serve? I, wore- I wish I had a
1: soft serve hat.
0: <laughs> I know the thing the only thing that would have made the day better was if we had had our soft serve hats (laughs) while we ate the soft serve (laughs) so i loved that and this is one of the first observations that i made of the park which i'm gonna say has nothing to do with the park and any efforts that it's making to be inclusive i didn't see anything that really stood out. I think there was actually like maybe some sort of pride event advertised. Uh so I guess they're not doing no no attempts, but I saw like a a significant presence when we were there of like visibly queer and like visibly queer and trans kids like yeah. having their their queerness and transness on display with shirts with buttons with like backpacks and flags. And does that have anything to do with Six Flags? I don't know. I think I don't have that many opportunities in my life to like go out to places where teens are are being teens and like being free. And I mean, clearly, it's something the CEO wants to actually snuff out is like teens, a place where, where teens can go and like express themselves and like be a little rowdy. But, you know, the last time I went to Six Flags was probably 2004 or something. It was in the aughts, like, when I would have been in uh, maybe high school. Uh Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, that, like, teens expressing gayness in Six Flags, Pennsylvania would not have been a thing. Yeah. And it made me really happy. I was like, oh, so cute. (laughs) Look at them go.
1: Me too. Uh, I also... I don't have much opportunity to just see families doing outings together
0: yeah. in my day-to-day.
1: So just getting to see, like, all these groups having fun, passing by each other, circle of life, it was nice. Yeah, yeah. And, like, obviously the mystery bags were my favorite thing <laughs> in the park. Like, it was... <laughs>
0: <laughs> Anything else that was like a really fond memory for you or a top a top experience? Anything that you feel is a top experience that would recommend the park, you know, that you feel like the park was doing right?
1: Well, that little gazebo area where the Looney Tunes sang their song was actually like a thriving little middle place that seemed well designed to feel encouraging to hang out there there was lots of like restaurants all around the park branched off in all these directions to all these different kinds of rides there's a sense of possibility and like group energy that was one of the first impressions of the park and it was really good yeah it it hyped me up
0: yeah that's a great point that that spot never felt dead it always felt really lively and, and energetic and there was that shaded gazebo and places to sit yeah good spot
1: so, all of this is to say, we want to go back to Six Flags. <laughs> we want to get into the VIP lounge. <laughs> we want to buy a mystery bag.
0: We we talked a lot about this because it was um, it, with the two tickets and all of the sort of parking and weird kind of forced upgrades. It was mm, like like a one hundred and twenty dollars for the day or something, something like and that. that's yeah. with with kind of the bare bones tickets yep. though uh that's not an expense that we want to or can spend again for another day at six flags but we're going to make a ko-fi co- coffee ko <laughs> coffee <laughs> we'll put the link in the show notes what what should we set the well we got to make sure it gets us the vip but I don't want to be excessive. Should we just put it at like $120 or something? I could put know it even can... like a
1: little less than that.
0: Okay. I don't even know if you can have a goal. I It's been a long time since I've looked at coffee.
1: We're just going to put it out there that if, if somebody wanted us to go back <laughs> and wanted to help us uh, explore some of the unexplored mysteries left at Six Flags, uh... We are providing a way for that to happen.
0: Yeah. So please don't feel pressured. Like, don't, yeah, don't, don't feel pressured. This is a fun, silly thing. And if it, you know, if it funds up a little, a little bit, well, I think we'll go back. Yeah. (laughs) Take Lots of pictures. So. Hey, so just a quick aside slash interruption to say that we did set that link up. If you would like to support a trip back to Six Flags, the link for the Coffee is ko slash design doc. And I know that Ko fi links are a little bit weird with that dash in the middle. So the link will also be in the show notes. Thanks so much.
1: So that was our research adventure. Huge success. Very fun. Full of bits of weirdness and liminal spaces that we could not have imagined on our own.
0: <laughs> what if it funded up like really high do we have to promise to spend it all at Six Flags
1: oh yeah <laughs> oh no if, if there is extra that. funds we are gonna <laughs> we're gonna buy Six Flags we'll nonsense, just, like, have nonsense have a, for like,
0: days have like a, a yertle the turtle stack of poop hats yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was a great day. I'm, I'm genuinely, I mean, I would I would love to go back. I don't feel like we saw everything there was to see.
1: <laughs> We'd just be delighted.
0: Yeah. Uh, thanks so much, everybody. Thank you. Thanks for coming with us on the ride of the liminal spaces of Six Flags.
1: The Design Doc intro-outro theme was written by our friend, Pat King. Thanks, Pat.
0: Design Doc is hosted by the One Shot Podcast Network. One Shot hosts other great shows like System Mastery. System Mastery is a delightful stroll through the history of role-playing games, except the games are terrible and the hosts are real jerks about everything. Join hosts Jeff and John as they explore the weirdest games ever made to talk about what worked, what went wrong, and which Silverhawk was the best. It was Hot Wing, Don't Even At Us. Find their shows at SystemMasteryPodcast.com. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. See, see you soon, heroes.
1: See you soon, heroes.